In a moment, Catscast, the Cat Skills Podcast. Sponsored by Briars and Brambles Books, the go-to independent book and gift store in the Catskills. Located in Wyndham, New York, right next to the pharmacy, just steps away from the Wyndham Path. Open daily. For more information, visit briarsandbramblesbooks.com or call 518-750-8599. And by the 52-mile Catskill Mountains Scenic Byway, following New York State Route 28 through the heart of the central Catskills for maps, itineraries, and links to area restaurants, shops, and accommodations, visit scenickatskills.com. A treasure within the hamlet of Phoenicia, Ulster Savings Bank is a proud supporter of this podcast. Interested in working with a great team? Visit them at 58 Main Street. Call them at 845-688-5965 or find them online at ulstersavings.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, equal opportunity employer. And now, Catscast. I love standing there listening to the creek. This is what it sounds like from my bedroom window. So that's, I guess that's why I live here. <laughs> it's beautiful. Born in Brooklyn in 1940, Hank Rope and wife Muriel would eventually settle in the Catskills, where Hank could indulge his passion for fly fishing. April marks the start of trout season here in the Catskills, but this will be the first year in many that Hank won't be sinking a line. On March 19th, Hank died at his home in Big Indian, New York. On today's podcast, Remembering Hank Rope. I, I took you to a secret place on purpose, and I usually blindfold people before <laughs> I take them here. <laughs> I'm flattered that you trust me. <laughs> in October of 2016, Hank took me to a secret location, one of his favorite stretches of the Esopus Creek, where we talked about his love for angling. Hank Rope, uh, I am Big Indian Guide Service. I, I guess I've been guiding here on the Esopus for 21 years now. Um, and I love it. This is the greatest place there is. I moved to Big Indian uh, because a friend of mine recommended it. And from here, I can fish the Esopus, the Neversink, the east branch of the Delaware, the Schoharie, all within oh, 20, 25 minutes. And um, that doesn't even count all the tributaries that come into the Esopus. And the little creeks here that are absolutely loaded with brook trout. Little teeny brook trout. Most people don't want to fish for them. They're only four to five inches. Brook trout will come up with a little two-weight rod put on a little, my favorite one is an Adams or an North Sable Wolf. And these guys come up and they have no fear when they come up. It's a sight to see. And they're a lot of fun to catch and they're beautiful, beautiful fish. Probably the only time I cook anything is when I'm with my granddaughter in the uh, Adirondacks. But I would say 99 to 9 tenths of my customers are catch and release. It's the way to go. Uh, I refrain from letting a customer keep a rainbow. The rainbows are precious, and there are some beautiful rainbows in here. They come up right where we are. They come all the way up here, all the way up to my house. Hank was a, a very 
expert fisherman and an expert fly tire. And a lot of the research that he did came from, from the library, the Phoenicia Library's angling collection. Beth Waterman is curator of the Jerry Bartlett Angling Collection in Phoenicia, New York. In 1995, Jerry Bartlett died. He was in his 50s and it was unexpected. He was the president of the first Trout Unlimited chapter in Kingston. And he was a very active conservationist. He ran a hotline about the Esopus that people could call and find out the conditions and things like that. And he ran a guide service as well as a bed and breakfast for anglers who would come for the weekend and, and fish and then study with Jerry. So when he died with his widow, Doris Bartlett, I founded the fishing collection at the Phoenicia Library in his memory. While we were building the collection, we also had public events. We had fly tying lessons and fly casting lessons, and and we acquired rods and reels, which we check out with a library card. So anyone with a library card can, can go fishing. And that's when I first met Hank Rope, and he started teaching fly tying for us, and he was just so keen on the collection. I think he read every book. I really do. He was always actively involved with the collection from the time I first met him, which was soon after the collection started in 96. The Jerry Bartlett Angling Collection would go on to host a series of community discussions called Sporting Legends of the Catskills. Hank Rope was a panelist at two of those programs, including On the River with Authors, Guides, and Catskill Characters, and Outdoor Guides of the Catskills, the Adventure Experts, here, Hank recounted an experience with a particular client he was guiding on the river. About why I live here and why I'm a guide. A uh, two-day trip on the beaver kill with a gentleman that was a president of a bank in Florida. More money than anybody. Uh, he really had a lot of money. All nice, fancy stuff. Anyway, on, on the, the second day, he said, uh, I have to be out of here at noon because the chauffeur's coming to pick him up and take him to uh, the airport in Sullivan County where his jet's waiting to take him back to a meeting. And so I said, okay, about 11.30, um, we have to go in 15 minutes or so. He said, I'm just going to sit here. And the man sat on a rock in the middle of the beaver kill. And I kind of went in the woods a little bit, got out of his way, come back out later on, and I said, sir, we have to go. And he says to me, I envy you. You'll be back here tomorrow. As Beth Waterman explains, getting Hank to even commit to a panel discussion on a day when he could be fishing was no small feat. Yeah, well, he kept his uh, calendar open so he could fish if it was the right circumstances. And he was very particular. The water had to be the right temperature, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Hank was obviously very skilled and unassuming. And he made sure that, you know, he put the time in. And that's what it really takes. Fishing takes a lot of time. I got to know Hank pretty well and his wife Muriel before she passed. And I realized how important his family was to him and especially his granddaughters. He kept telling me that he was only 
taking customers until he put his granddaughters through college. And sure enough, once they graduated from college, he became a lot less easy to hire to take out as a fishing guide. He had a very lightweight canoe that he could carry to a remote pond. And I like to do long distance swimming with some friends of mine. And so we would sometimes set out on a swim around the perimeter of a pond in dense fog, because we went early in the morning. And there were times when you couldn't see in front of your face. But we stay pretty close to the perimeter of the pond so we can find our way around. And I'll never forget one time I was swimming along and all of a sudden I look up and there's a boat in front of me. And I, I was like appalled and shocked and didn't know what, where had that kind of horrible feeling. Where am I? What's happening? And then I hear this voice say, hi, Beth. <laughs> and it was Hank. And he was out there fishing. And we would often see him in the early morning when we went for our long swims. He would be out there even earlier than we were fishing at the break of day. Should be out in my canoe. Don't blame it on we you. We should all be out in your canoe. Usually I can blame it you on see you. these kids. Oh, it's beautiful out there. In May of 2016, I met up with Hank at Phoenicia Elementary School, where he'd been volunteering with trout in the classroom for more than a decade. Wow, he doesn't want to go in there, does he? No. Come on, guy, get in there. You got him. He likes it here. I'm good at catching the dead ones. You guys take good care of him. The teacher takes care of him. My name is Jane Wolfram. I am a retired uh, Phoenicia Elementary School teacher. And uh, I worked in Phoenicia for 25 years and loved every year, except for the last three months of my career when we spent that in lockdown. So other than that, it was a wonderful, terrific career. I taught first grade for probably the first half of my career there, and I believe that's when I first got a trout tank and uh, and enjoyed the years with trout in the classroom. Uh, Melissa Johnson and Veronica Rao were two school teachers. Melissa still is a kindergarten teacher in Phoenicia, and she was actually the person who established contact with Trout Unlimited, and through Melissa's efforts, we met Hank, and the Trout in the Classroom program was set up. So Trout in the Classroom is a program that supplies funding for equipment. We had a 55-gallon tank. We had a chiller that always had to be at no higher than 50 degrees because the trout needed cold, cold water, a filter, of course, and 55 gallons of water. And so Hank would come. We'd pick the eggs up pretty much the second week in October. Um, We'd either have a field trip where we'd go all the way up to Frost Valley to the trout hatchery up there. Many sick kids on the way. Ugh, it it was really not a fun field trip. And Hank would never take the bus. He'd always follow in his car. <laughs> so one trip, he actually had to take a mom back in his car because the bus ride up was, was so bad for her um, that he volunteered to take her home in his car so she didn't have to go on the bus. And he said, she's not going to be sick in my car, is she? I said, no, Hank, no, it'll be okay. And every year without fail, there was a, a problem. You know, it was uh, a gasket that had 
dried out over the course of the summer. It was the tank leaked, it was the bad chiller, and he always got us what we needed equipment-wise. You know, he'd say, there's a meeting tomorrow and I'm gonna go tell them that you need a new chiller, and, and Trout Unlimited always stepped up and gave us the, the funding for what we needed. You can see it says 66 degrees, it should be 52. I was going to say, that's the water tank? It just, yeah. It's a little hot. Yeah, well, this thing is gone. Um, I'm going to have to ask Tron Unlimited for another 800 bucks. <laughs> I need a new one. Now, we're going to take them from 66 degree water and put them in 49, 50 degree water. They're not going to like that. Kids could see, you know, what the trout would face once they got into the water and left our classroom. But Hank was always there, you know, always excited at, at the kids' excitement, that, that he just loved the fact that they were excited about it. And it, it made them think and it made them want to go into the streams and, and perhaps fish when they got older. That was an important part of his life. I've been doing this uh, program for 15 years, and it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's the greatest thing with these kids. And I could be in the Boysville Market and some kid, you know, who's now 15 years old comes up and says, hi, Mr. Rope, you know. And honestly, I don't know who he is, but, <laughs> but they all know who I am and they get a lot out of this program. Uh, it's not just about raising fish like you would guppies in a tank. It's about learning about the environment. I, I have a... a great Melissa Johnson story because she was the person that got it up and running. And she talked about a time when they were having some kind of a crisis in their tank. And she called Hank because the, the trout looked like they were dying. And, and she was a kindergarten teacher at the time. And he came in and whatever he did, he made it so that the trout survived. And it was a wonderful, happy tale. And she decided she was going to make a book about Hank. And in the book, he was a superhero. And he had a trout on his, on his chest. And and the kids loved it because he was the superhero who had saved the tank. But but Hank was a very low-key guy. You know, he, he wasn't all uh, warm and fuzzy kind of thing. He just, this was this is what he did and wasn't, you know, in it to, to be a grandpa. He, he definitely was just happy that he was passing on his love of trout and his love of the, the cat skills and his love of nature, basically, and, and excited to get the kids excited about what was right in their own backyards. They learn a lot. They learn about the conditions in the stream, why you want the stream to be clean, why you want everything to be for their benefit, uh, to keep the environment clean. And they raise them over the winter, and then come the first week in May, the fish are two and a half to three inches long, and we have a big party down in Stony Clove, and we let the fish go. It's the greatest thing you can become involved with. And these kids, they're, they're just all smiles, and they learn a lot. And we're going to take them on the stream again. We bought boots for them. Oh, we got a grant for the boots. And we're going to wait till the spring, take the kids in the stream. We get a permit, and um, we see what kind of insects are in the stream. Um, this is what the fish live on. So we want to keep the stream clean so the insects will be there so the fish survive. That's what the whole thing's about. Great, great program, yeah. The kids love it. 
The song that we always sang at, when we released the Trout, it was the, to the tune of the old Everly Brothers, Bye Bye Love, and, and it was Bye Bye Trout. And, uh, and the kids would stand on the, the shore of the Stony Clove right there in Phoenicia after walking from the school to release the Trout, and that was their big send-off, singing Bye Bye Trout. just a great, great experience that for all the trials and tribulations, and I'm sure Hank would say the same thing, he wouldn't change a thing. You know, he would he would do it. He probably, if I hadn't retired and COVID hadn't hit, we probably both would be still doing it, saying, one more year. Um, he just, uh, it was a great inspiration. And through that sort of commitment, I think we both sort of had a lot in common. And I'll miss him terribly. During fishing season, how often are you out on the creek? Uh, that's a tough question to answer. Um, <laughs> I'm either working or fishing. Well, let's put it that way. So um, I wear out a pair of wading shoes every season. Is that a hint? 160 days a year, maybe. I love standing here listening to the creek. <laughs> this is what it sounds like from my bedroom window. So that's, I guess that's why I live here. <laughs> Henry F. Rope Jr., U.S. Navy veteran, angler, guide, and friend of the Catskills, died March 19, 2023, at the age of 82. Catscast is a production of Silver Hollow Audio. I'm Brett Barry. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.